looks like there's pain in your eyes I can see tears And I would imagine A long road you've traveled Through the years You must be hurting inside I know the struggle What if I told you There's someone who cares about your trouble Let me introduce you to Jesus Let me introduce you to Him
of the Lord that we feel in this place. I'm so thankful for his presence, aren't you? I'm thankful for his people too, and thank you, Greater Life Church, for the privilege for my wife and I to be with you today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 14. I'm already blessed. Uh, much, much, sometimes I feel like I go to places where I'm blessed more than then we could be a blessing, and I already feel that way in this place. Amen. His presence is so real. God wants to do something in your life today. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. How, many, how many want that? I, I, I want that. My brother uh, Long said that 
we got to touch him with purpose today. And when we do that, you can be sure he's going to touch us. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, or it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And so Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Amen. I believe that God wants to speak peace into somebody's troubled waters today. Amen. Can we lift up our hands? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit that's in this place. God, your word is here to do the work. I pray that it would fall upon good ground. We receive what you have for us today, God. We want your will to be done, God. Not my will, but your will be done, God. We trust in you. Hallelujah. God, you want to set somebody free. From addiction, from chains, from bondage, God, you want to, you want to touch somebody's mind. You want to heal somebody's heart, Lord, in this place today. And Lord, we want you to have your way. Somebody say in the mighty name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I want to talk to you today for a few minutes, hopefully. That's the, I guess that's the preacher's famous last words, a few minutes, huh? Don't mind the wind and the waves. I uh, have a good friend of mine. His name is Taylor Fish. Some of you probably know him. He's an evangelist as well with the United Pentecostal Church. He's a great friend of mine, and he's a singer, songwriter. One of the songs I sang today, um, we wrote together about Jesus being in the middle of all of the chaos and uh, we just felt inspired by the Holy Ghost to write that last year during the, the pandemic. And, and, and Taylor, um, he travels and sings and preaches. And he sang the song at a church. And he said, man, he called me afterwards. He said, bro, we need to record that song right now. Taylor's one of these guys where he gets something in his head. He's like a, he's like a bulldog. He's a very magnetic personality. He, uh, he, he just, he, he's one of those people you're just captivated when he's talking, you're just going to sit and listen to him. And, uh, he's, he's, he's got that tenacity about him that when he's got something in his mind, he's going to go after it. 
So he called me and said, we need to record that song. I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm in South Carolina and I'm preaching. I'm in the middle of a uh, week-long revival, six nights. And I said, well, there's no way I can get, I can get away. And uh, he's in Houston. He's saying, well, you just, you know, come to Houston. I said, well, there's no way. He said, uh, we need to record it this week. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I can't get to you, but maybe you can fly to Atlanta. And it's about three hours from where I am. And so we're looking online at uh, what, what he has in mind is to do a music video about God being in the middle of the chaos. And so we're looking at places that look, you know, run down, that, that just look like it'd be a good place to video. So, so we're looking around Atlanta, and there's a number of cool, really cool places where we can go. But as we're reading and doing some research online, we're seeing people posting, don't come here, you'll get ticketed for trespassing and all of this. And uh, so a lot of cool places, but we don't have access to any of these places. So I said, well, Taylor, we're just going to have to do something else. He said, bro, I'm going to call the police department. (laughs) So he calls the Atlanta police department. Talks to a lady and she says, uh, he tells her what we're we're ministers. We want to go record the song. We're looking at the old Atlanta prison farm, shut down probably somewhere in the 1960s, something like that. And uh, and so we want to go out there. And the lady says, "Oh yeah, sure, you can go out there, no problem." Taylor's like, "Are you sure?" You know, he's taking her name and number, and yeah, no problem. And so Taylor finds a flight. He comes out to Atlanta. I drive to pick him up. We've got about three hours before we have to drop him back off at the airport. So we've got a limited window. We drive to the Atlanta, uh, old Atlanta prison farm, and uh, circling the perimeter is about 10 to 12 foot high chain link fence, you know, with the, the barbed wire on the top of the fence. And all of the gates have locks on them. And we're thinking, well, how do we get in this place? And Taylor sees a hole in, uh, in one of the fences <laughs> near the gates. And uh, what... The, the camera guy that was with us, we had never met him before, nice young man from Atlanta in his early 20s. He was a little nervous. He's saying, I, I don't think I want to do that. And, uh, so, you know, Taylor's leading the way. I just turned to the, uh, to the young man. I said, hey, man, we paid you, bro. You're on the hook. <laughs> and so we crawled through the hole with all the equipment, and we're walking down this path, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this big, booming voice uh, comes on and says, turn around now, you are trespassing, you are on surveillance. And so we stop there, dead in our tracks, thinking, oh no, what are we going to do? Do we risk going forward and getting shot or whatever, <laughs> or do we just turn around? And I think Taylor finally decided, okay, enough's enough. And so he gets on the phone, we're walking back toward the gate, the hole where we crawled in, we're getting up to the to the front of the fence, and of course Taylor can't get anybody on the line from the Atlanta Police Department now. It keeps ringing and ringing. This man's running down uh, the road, and he's noticeably upset at us. He's looking through the fence, and he stops there, and he says, what do you guys think you're doing back here? And Taylor's on the phone, and he said, he said hey, we're here on business. And the man says, yeah, right, you're here on business. That's why you crawled through the hole in the gate. You don't have a key. Sure, you're here on business. And a lot of times, you know, I just kind of say stuff without thinking. Um, Trust us, sir, we're we're ministers. (laughs) 
I'm pointing to my car. Uh, it's a Toyota Prius. Don't judge me. I am from Austin, Texas, all right? Keep Austin weird. <laughs> my inspection and my registration is out. I'm not trying to point to the clergy sticker on my car, but of course my inspection registration's out. Things are just not going well right now. Come to find out, this guy said he's a, he's a SWAT team member, and we practice rounds back here. You guys shouldn't be back here. And we try to explain that we got permission from the Atlanta Police Department, and, and uh, so we're trying to... Finally, we, we calm him down just enough to where I think he actually starts believing us. And, uh, and so he says, you know, guys, just, just hurry up and get out of there. Right? Get, get what you need to get done and, and just get out of there. And he said, I'll be around if anybody gives you trouble. And so we had, uh, you know, permission, but we didn't really have access... <laughs> And, and, and we, were, uh, we, we were hoping that we could get it done, but we had to put a little bit more than just hope in. We had to actually act. You know, hope is great. Aren't you thankful for hope? And the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, thank God for that. But hope is not enough. Uh, hope is, is, is a tool to help us get uh, to faith, through faith, but it's, it's not an end-all. You know, we live in a world that could hope, and, and, and that's a wonderful thing. But be careful what you hope in. you got to be careful what you hope in. I, I, I could hope that, that somebody here would give me a million dollars, and that would be an awesome hope, wouldn't it? <laughs> but the reality is we can't misplace our hope. Uh, I can't put my hope in man because I'm not putting it in the right place. So we got to be careful what we put our hope in. We've also got to be careful what we hope for. Sometimes we hope for God to do something for us. God make me a millionaire. Hey, if you give me a million dollars and everything will be great. Uh, but, but what we hope for also cannot be misplaced. Hope is a great thing. And the disciples were on the boat and they were rowing. If you read some commentary in this passage that we read, they were rowing for miles and miles and getting nowhere. And hours and hours as Jesus is alone on the mountain praying, and he sees their struggle, and he steps on the scene. They were hoping to get out of the storm. I want to try and help us today. Here's my objective. I want us to move from hope to faith. And we're going to have to do it through fear. From hope through fear to faith. You know, everybody's going to believe in something. you you, you got to believe in something. Uh, uh, and the reality is that we can, we can let our circumstances dictate our faith and lead the way and, and our trust and our belief in who God is. Or we can let Jesus Christ lead us and the faith that he has placed inside each and every one of us. Romans 12, 3, he's given to every man the measure of faith. Are we going to allow God to speak to us? Come on, just like he did Peter. Come on. If you're serious about it, come on. I'm calling you into deeper waters. I believe the Holy Ghost is calling everyone in this place deeper today. To step out of the boat, out of your comfort zone, right? If you notice, it's it's the disciples' comfort zone. They're they're expert fishermen. Uh, uh, Nobody knows how to get out of a storm and weather a storm like the disciples. Yet, they're, they're... in fear right now because they realize this is too big for me to handle. 
yet they're still sitting in the boat because it's a comfort zone. You know, all things could be going around us could just be an absolute mess, but because we're fearful, we just kind of want to remain where we are, even though where we are is not working. God is calling us deeper, and the reality is it's time for us to step out of the boat. The disciples were trying to hope their way out of a storm, but you can't just hope your way out. you got to faith your way out. If you, re- if you refuse to turn your hope into faith, it will eventually turn into fear. They feared that it was a ghost that was walking on the water. Peter got his focus off of Jesus there for a moment when he was walking on the water, and he began to see physical impossibilities. Scripture said he saw the wind. You can't see the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. But fear will start making you see things that aren't really reality. Fear will, will start, but you'll put, you'll put stock in things that, that, that really just that is not really there. And, and so he began to fear. He got his eyes off of Jesus when he saw the wind. Fear will make you see things that aren't really there. You, you, you'll believe the impossible thing, though. One way or another, you're going to believe the impossible thing. You'll either believe that God can do the impossible thing and make a way out of no way in your situation, or you're going to believe the impossible things that fear begin to speak into your life. Either way, you're going to put your stock of trust and faith in something. You'll put your faith in God. Or you'll put your faith in something else. You'll put your faith in God's word. Or you'll put your faith in man's word. You'll either trust God or you'll trust the lies of the enemy. But there's no getting around it. You're going to put your trust in something. Even when you think, no, there ain't nobody I can trust. I can't trust anybody out there. You're going to trust something and somebody. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans ten seventeen said. Now you might be tempted to smush that together. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You might be tempted to say, well then, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And although that's accurate, that's not entirely correct. Because faith comes by hearing, but hearing only comes by the word of God. In other words, if you're not getting a diet of the Word of God, then you're deafened to the things that really matter. Faith can only come by hearing. Hearing can only come by the Word of God. I believe it's time, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is trying to say into the church. It's time to hear what God is saying over the sound of the winds and the waves and the distractions and the chaos that's going on in this world. It's time to focus your eyes on Jesus and hear what thus saith the Word of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Do you want to hear what God is calling you to? Would you lift up your hands and say, yes, Lord. I'm submitted, Lord, to your voice. I'm focusing my attention on you. God, there's a million other things going on right now, but I'm not going to put faith in anything else but your word. Your word is true, God. Your word's the the thing that's going to get me through. Hallelujah. You can be seated for a moment. It's interesting that some people uh, won't believe the word of God for anything, but will believe made-up fairy tales. It's interesting to me there are people that believe in zombie apocalypse and everything else uh, uh, but, but they won't take stock, uh, they won't put stock in his word. And we live in a society that says, well, 
you know, live your own truth. I hate to tell you, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. There is no my own truth. There is a such thing as my own reality. There is a such thing as my own story and your own story. And, and nobody's walked in your shoes and nobody has your story. And I can sympathize with you and maybe even empathize with you to a degree. But if I've never walked in your shoes, I don't know your story. But the reality is that there's no uh, two truths. There's just one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Aren't you thankful that we can trust the word of God? Uh, When the world's on sinking sand and shifting sand, we can trust what God has says. If you're confused, all you need to do is open up the book and say, Lord, what do you have? What do you say? Because throughout culture, throughout age, throughout race, throughout whatever it is, your word stands forever. I can trust your word. And, and, you know, people say, well, I'm I'm just going to trust what the, what is the highest opinion? What's... Who's the most powerful, most influential person in all the world? You say, well, it's got to be our president. Okay, well, I'm going to put stock in whatever our president says. Well, that's foolish because our current president was saying, uh, is saying something completely different than just a year ago. So you, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. If you buy into whoever is the most powerful, most influential voice, I'm sorry. If he's not speaking the word of God... You're on shifting sand. (laughs) I'm not going to put my faith in politics. I'm not going to put my faith in government. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. What is Jesus saying to me? Come on now. He's calling every one of us to step out of the comfort zone of the boat. Come on. Come to me. And I believe somebody's going to answer the call today. Hallelujah. You can be seated for a moment. Everybody's going to believe something. Hallelujah. We got to make sure that we're listening to the voice of the Lord. There are a lot of things I hope for. I hope for heaven. Don't you? I hope I'm saved. I hope my family's saved. I hope I have the means to support my my wife. We've only been married nine months. (laughs) Nothing like responsibility. Scripture tells us hope that is seen is not hope. Simple example is if I ask you what you hope for, what you would not hope for or what would be silly to say is I I hope I'm at Greater Life Church today. Well, unless you're listening online and those that are here, it'd be silly for you to say that because you're already here. You already see it. Hope that is seen is not hope. I, 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 I I hope that I live a long life. And that's wonderful. The Bible tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for. There are some things that we hope for, we're only going to get them if we step out of the boat. Some of you want peace of mind. You feel feel like, I just cannot get rest. I cannot get peace for my mind. Well, Paul describes the peace of God like this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds. But some of us stop to the limit that we understand. We say, well, I don't really understand what, why God would say this or why God would say do that. I, I don't really understand that, so I'm not going to do it. But we wonder why then we can't find peace. The peace of God is beyond our limited understanding. It makes no sense for Peter 
to say, if that's you, can then tell me to step out? And you know, we give Peter a hard time, don't we? Because he usually sticks his foot in his mouth. He's usually doing stuff before he even thinks, right? But those are the people that God prefers and says, you know what? I'm willing to take a risk. If you're out there and I'm in here and there's a storm going on, I don't want to be here because here's not working. I want to be where you are. Hallelujah. Well, come on, Peter. Before he even realizes perhaps what he's asking, Jesus said, well, come on. Take that step. Because if you, you know what? While everybody else is sitting in the boat calling Peter a fool, oh, what are you doing, man? You can't do that. Of course Peter can't do that. That's exactly why Jesus called him to do it. Because you don't get credit for that, Peter. You don't get glory for that. You can't put, you can't post that on Facebook or Instagram and say, look what I did. You get no glory for that. Come on, it's the hand of God that's upholding you, Peter. See, if you can do it in your own strength, if you can do it in your own ability, God will say, okay, have your way. You do it your way. I don't have, I don't have to convince you that your way doesn't work. Why? Because I know my way doesn't work either. I'm human just like you. I can't get it done. I want to step from the natural into the supernatural. And the only way I can do that is to obey the voice of the Lord. Come on, step out of that boat. Uh, your, your, your feeble mind can't understand what I'm telling you to do. But if you'll just step out of the boat, I will sustain you. I will uphold you. Come on, I'll take you from here to there, Peter. Hallelujah. You can be seated. You see, sometimes we're hypocritical with God because we, we, we say, God, I don't understand that, so I'm not going to do it. Yet we want our little kids to obey us, don't we? Little two-year-old Johnny, no, you ain't going to go play in the street. He'll throw a crying mad fit, but if you're trying to explain it to a two-year-old, he's not going to understand it. So you don't even waste your time. Why? Because you know better. Little Johnny doesn't know better. But Johnny, if you want to live, you'll take my advice. You're not going to go play in the street. Well, we treat God hypocritically. Well, I don't understand that, God. I'm not going to do that. God says, okay, cool, on you. Oh, but God's calling somebody deeper. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Sometimes we got to step out of the boat. we got to act. When Jesus calls us, we can't just sit there and hope things are going to get better. It's time for somebody to make a move toward God. If you want to see the glory of God revealed in your life, you got to step out of the boat. Come on, if you want to see the glory of God revealed in your family, if you want the broken pieces of your life being put back together, I'm telling you the only way to do it is to respond to the voice of God. What is God saying? It's time to start, stop hoping, and it's time to start faithing. It's time now to go from a plan to an action. It's time now to go from the plan of God to stepping into the plan of God to activate the glory of God in your life. My God. You can be seated for my, let me just, let me, let me just, I, I, I know God is, is not just talking to me. Sometimes we treat God like a, we treat the name of Jesus like it's a magic trick sometimes. If we just say the name of Jesus, everything's good, man. Not quite. There are a lot of people on this earth that are named Jesus. Did you know that? Or some variation, some form of it. There's no power in their name. The power is not in the name. The power is in the action behind the name. Everywhere the apostles preach, you read it for yourself. We don't have time to read it today in the book of Acts. Every time a miracle was performed, every time the Holy Ghost was poured out, every single time they preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the power is not so much in the fact that it's the name. Now, what? Oh, no, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with you, preacher. Because uh, as Philippians 2, 9 through 11 said, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. So I don't know what you're saying there, preacher. Well, we go to Psalm, chapter, Psalm 138, verse 2, and the psalmist says like this, you've magnified your word even above your name. Oh, your name, yes. Acts 4.12, though, but neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So I'm having trouble here. So isn't the name the most powerful, highest thing? But the psalmist knows better. Because the psalmist said, you've magnified your word above your name. In other words, your name is what we call you, but your word is literally who you are. My God. If we get the revelation of who he is, my God. You see, the plan is great, but even Jesus said the plan's not good enough. Hope is great, but even Jesus said, you know, hope's not good enough. I'm going to have to activate that hope, and the only way I can do that was in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's all fine and great, but verse 14 of John chapter 1 said, and the Word became manifest. Come on, he stepped on in to our brokenness and to our darkness. It wasn't just enough that he was the Word, but he was the Word made flesh and he stepped into the plan come on somebody it's great to know the plan of God it's great but we've got to activate the plan with our faith it's time for everybody to hear what thus saith the Lord it's time to step out of the boat God is calling you sir he's calling you deeper I'm encouraging you don't listen to the wind and the waves don't listen listen to the distracting noises and voices out there keep your eyes on Jesus and step out of your comfort zone I'm telling you God will make up the difference Somebody lift up your hands. There's healing in the house. I'm telling you, there's deliverance in the name of Jesus. You can be set free today by the power of Almighty God. What you've been dealing with, you don't have to deal with it any longer when you submit to Jesus Christ and His Word. In the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. It's time to step out of the boat, Peter. Come on, I'm calling you. Glory to God. You be seated for a moment. Hallelujah. The rich young ruler, he came to Jesus. He had it all going on, didn't he? Nothing better than being, if you had three wishes and you had a genie in a bottle, you were asking, what's your three wish, wishes? Well, wish I could have more money, right? Wish I was younger. Wish I had some authority. Wish somebody listened to me, right? I mean, he had it all. What the world deems as successful, rich, young, had power. He came to Jesus and said, good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? You know what's interesting? Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's one good. That is God. Now, wait a minute. Because I know who you are, Jesus. Peter had the revelation that you are God manifest in the flesh. You turned to Philip and said, hey, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You're looking at the Father. When you look at the face of Jesus Christ, you see God. So what are you doing? What do you mean there's none good but God? Jesus understood that, you know, the rich young ruler is coming to butter him up. Hey, good master. Oh, we can do that, can't we? We play the game. We know how to play the game. My family's from New York, my mom and dad, and they love the South. And uh, they, we moved down here 36 years ago. I'm 37. And uh, we born are born in New York but raised in Austin, Texas. They love the South. I said, man, Southerners can be tricky sometimes, though, because they know how to play the game and butter you up. You know, New Yorkers, they say they're rude, you know. But at least they tell you how they feel, right? They don't play games. 
<laughs> they'll smile on your face and they'll talk behind your back, right? The good drunk ruler says, good master, what good thing must I do? Jesus is about to challenge him because he knows he's a great praiser, but he's not yet a worshiper. You know, a worshiper gives all. Praiser, you can give some. But a praiser gives of abundance, a worshiper can give of substance, <laughs> of everything. Jesus is about to challenge him. He said, well, you know the commandments. He said, yeah, I, I kept all those from my youth up. I kept all those commandments. The, the rich young ruler is happy to hang the certificate on his wall, you know, and say, look where I graduated. Ever since I was a child, man, I've done it right. He's happy to say all that. But Jesus is about to challenge him further. He said, one thing you lack. He said he loved him. Scripture said he loved him. <laughs> Had compassion on him. He loved him enough to tell him the truth. It ain't love if it ain't the truth. Now, we can, say, we can tell the truth in a very harsh way. That ain't love either. But you better believe if you're not telling somebody the truth, that ain't love. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, but one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have. Give to the poor. Take up your, your cross. Come on, follow me. You see, Jesus understood this guy's not yet a worshiper. And can I tell you that Jesus mirrors every single move that you make? If you're hungry, he'll be hungry too. If you're thirsty, he'll be thirsty. John 4, he came to sit on a well. I must needs go through Samaria. First thing he said when he sat on that well, ma'am, do you have something to drink? She didn't even realize what she was thirsty for, but she needed some living water. Jesus said, I'll trade you. Psalm 18, 25, verse 20, Psalm 18, verse 25 and 26 said, To the merciful you show yourself merciful. To the upright you show yourself upright. To the pure you show yourself pure. But to the froward you show yourself froward. Or another translation says it like this. To the bad you disguise yourself. Rich young ruler, you're happy to be a praiser, but if you ain't going to give everything to Jesus Christ, he ain't going to reveal everything to you. You're going to hang on. See, you, we, can, we can try and hang all the stuff. Yeah, we can withhold things. We can't conceal anything from God, so it's just foolish to even try. We can withhold things and not give God everything, but if we withhold, God's going to withhold from us. It's the law of the harvest. It's foundational. He that, he that reaps to the flesh will of the fr flesh reap, reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. <laughs> yep, whatever we sow, we're going to reap it. It's foundational. And if you're hungry for God, he's going to be hungry for you. Come on, somebody. God, scripture said he gives seed to the sower. If you're going to be a sower, not just somebody who says they're a sower, if you put your hand out there and it's empty, guess what? God gives seed to the sower. The seed don't come from you. Come on, Peter, your strength, it ain't coming from you. You don't have the power to walk on water. We all know that God gets the glory for it. But if you're willing to be foolish enough to take God at his word, I'm telling you he's going to blow your mind. God's going to open up the eyes of the blind. Come on, Peter, you may fall in the water. It, that's all right. You're the closest one to Jesus when you fall. Everybody else is back in the boat. But come on. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody, God wants to change your life direction today. And if you'll be honest with God, he's going to be honest with you. Come on, if you reveal yourself to God, he's going to reveal himself to you. He will withhold nothing from somebody who gives everything to him.
Can we lift up our hands and say, God, I give it all. God, I give it, I, I come to you, God, with everything. I, I, I'm not going to withhold. I'm not going to sit here in my comfort zone, God. You have the words of life. I'm coming after you, Jesus. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. My God, the Holy Ghost is in this house. God is calling you, sir, deeper. And you've been withholding from God. I'm telling you, if you make up your mind today, I will do whatever it takes. I surrender my life to God. God is going to step in and blow your mind. Hallelujah. You can be seated for a moment. There will always be a divine delay between your dilemma and your deliverance. There will always be a a divine delay because God wants to test and prove your faith, not your hope. Will you trust God and his word? Will you keep on believing in faith even when you don't see it, even when you can't understand, even when you're sad and confused and despondent and rejected and dejected? Are you still going to believe the word of God when the answer didn't come that you thought would come? Are you still going to hold on and trust God despite what you're physical eyes see are you going to understand the word of god come on he's greater his thoughts are greater his thoughts are way above my thoughts his ways are way above my ways my god I'm telling you, I'm asking somebody to open up your spiritual eyes and peer into the spirit realm what god is is trying to say to the church my god you can be seated for a moment hallelujah there will always be divine delay always because God is going to give you the opportunity to take it back. You can't handle this yourself? Are you sure? Are you positive? <laughs> Mary came to him 30-something years, was tired of hearing about all that Jesus was supposed to be and do, was tired of hearing all that. I'm sure at some point she just got sick and tired and said, you know what? I want to see it. Are you, are you tired of hearing about what goes on in Africa and Bangladesh and all these other countries where people receiving the Holy Ghost and limbs growing? Are you tired of hearing about that? Do you want to see it? it it's going to cost something. It's going to cost your control in the situation. And Mary, Mary came to him and said, you know what? This is on you. Jesus said, hey, it's not my time. You know how to make it God's time? When you turn your back and walk away and say, you know what? It ain't mine. It's yours. <laughs> when God says you let go, when he sees you completely let go... God said, all right, now I can step in and work. Even though it ain't my time, you just made it my time, Mary. Hallelujah. God wants to do a right now work, but there's a divine delay. That man comes to Jesus with his boy that's falling in the fire and falling in the water. He's vexed, possessed by a devil, and his disciples can't cast him out. And Jesus shows up, and the Pharisees are sitting there questioning, well, who are your disciples can't even cast him out. And the man brings his son to Jesus. He's just, he's, he's in turmoil. I need an answer. And Jesus starts asking him questions. Well, how long has he been this way? Hey, Lord, come on. Can you, can you just heal him? No, there's going to be a divine delay. Because Jesus understands if, if you're going to take it back into your possession, he'll let you do it. But if you really need him, you're going to surrender all control and say, Lord, I don't care how you want to do it. The Lord smote me a couple of years ago. I was going to preach in Milwaukee, Sunday night service. I was in my car. The Holy Ghost swept in my car. I was going to preach on faith. I was going to preach on believing God. And God whispered to me, you don't believe me. What? <laughs> what do you mean? I, 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 I'm, I'm talking about believing God tonight. In fact, I'm starting to argue with God. Have you been there? <laughs> How would it turn out for you? You lost too, right? 
but God, this is what I do. I travel and I tell people, believe God. What do you mean? God said, no, you don't believe me. I said, can you help me? God said, when you think of a miracle, what you think of is bigger, better, basically more of the same of what, you, what you've seen. You think of a miracle, you think of a church of maybe, maybe they have 200 people, and you think some great big miracle is they explode in growth, in growth and, they, and they reach 500 people. You think that's awesome. <laughs> he said, you, you prayed for somebody before. They had cancer. They shouldn't have lived. The church prayed. They're still alive today, right? Yes, Lord. He said, so when you come to me and you pray in faith, but nothing happens, whether you like to admit it or not, you may not vocalize it, but in the back of your mind, you're questioning, God, where are you? Where's your power, God? And God said this to me. He said, when you, when you say things like, God, I've seen you do it before, so I know you can do it again. God said, duh. Thank you for that backhanded compliment. That's not faith. You've seen me do it before, so you know I can do it again. Well, I've proven something to you before, and so you're trusting me. It's trust, right? Faith is a little different than trust because faith has an element of expectancy. But you're not believing me for anything special. You've already seen me do it. <laughs> Some of us think we got the game on God. We already know. We, we, we grew up in church, man. We've been in church all our little lives. And God said, you ain't seen nothing. Look in Scripture. Every time he healed a blind man, never healed him the same way twice. It was always different. God said, everything I do is brand new. <laughs> Some of you said, you're like Solomon. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, wisest man in all the earth, wasn't he, Solomon? And God says, I'm not under the sun. Not in position, not in authority, not in power. I've got all power, and everything I do is new. My mercies are brand new every morning. If you didn't use them up yesterday, they're not recycled from yesterday. Boom, brand new, never before been in existence. I desire to blow somebody's mind, but you keep holding me hostage by what you've seen before. God, you keep holding me to the pattern that you think I, I, I worked a miracle like that before, so that's how I'm going to do it again. God said, I want to do something completely different that's going to blow your ever-loving mind. If you'll take the limits off, me if you'll take the reins off me if you'll stop come on somebody i'm telling you god can do the impossible thing somebody said well my son's lost there's no way my family member can come back to god can i tell you the more impossible it seems the more probable god's going to break through if you take your hands off it god specializes in making miracles out of messes god specializes in delivering the captive and people that you've written off if you'll take the limits off of god he wants to blow your mind is there anybody that wants god to blow your mind again is there anybody that needs a miracle is there anybody that said god don't pass me by I'm not just going to hope today. Come on, lift up your hand. I'm not just going to be, a, I'm not just going to hope today, but I'm going to do something about this hope. I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to step into the miraculous. I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. You're calling me deeper, God, and my feeble mind can't understand it, but I'm not, I'm not going to stop at the limitation of my mind. I'm not going to surrender to my feelings. I'm going to let my faith lead my feelings. Come on, somebody. I'm going to let what I know of you, God, I'm not going to let that hinder. 
Come on, he's a miracle worker. Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was a creator yesterday. He's a creator today. He'll be a creator tomorrow. Come on, he's, he wants to make a way out of no way if you'll release God to do what God wants to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, it's time. It's time now, somebody. You need a miracle today. You need to be delivered today. I'm telling you. Come on. He's a promise keeper. He will do what he said he would do. Are you going to push through? Are you going to, are you going to make, make up your mind? I'm determined. I'm not turning around. You can be seated for just one moment. Maybe the music wants to help me. I need to wrap up. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the presence of the Lord is in this place. I'm telling you right now, but there's a little divine delay. And when it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen, and when God's not answering prayers like you want him to answer prayers, are you going to keep holding on by faith despite what you see and despite what you feel? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Mm. Uh, they say there are two kinds of people, you know, the thinkers and the feelers. And I don't have half a brain, so I'm a feeler, you know. I love people. I love the emotion, you know. I get, I get involved in that, and I, I just, I'm a feeler. Don't be fooled by a feeling today, whether you feel it or not. It was Isaac that was, that was fooled by a feeling. Don't be fooled by a feeling. Well, that feels like Esau, but it sounds like Jacob. Don't be fooled by a feeling. Come on, it's time for somebody to know what thus saith the word of the Lord. My God, hallelujah. This lady came to Jesus. There's a divine delay. Matthew 15. I don't have time to read it. Verse 22 through 28. You can read it for yourself. She comes to Jesus. Her daughter is vexed with a devil. She's on the outside. She's not part of the family of God. Jesus ignores her. She keeps on walking. Jesus, have mercy, please. I believe there's somebody in this house that's not going to stop when you feel ignored by God because you understand it's just a test, just a little bit of a divine delay. (laughs) She keeps on coming. My God. Finally, the disciples speak up and say, Jesus, would you just take care of her needs, send her away? You read some commentary on that. Some commentators feel like the disciples weren't even being mean in this situation. They were simply just requesting that Jesus would meet her need so that she'd leave and stop bothering. So finally Jesus speaks up. He's not even really talking to her, but he kind of just speaks up when his disciples question him. He said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So first he ignores her, then he denies her. I wonder if somebody could push past even a denial when you feel like God has shut the door on you and said, nope. Some of us turn around and we're offended. And the one thing that blocks the supernatural in our life is when we become offended at God or people. If anybody had an opportunity to be offended, we live in an offended generation, don't we? And if anybody had an opportunity to really be offended, it was this lady who, her daughter is helpless. She's back at home. She's not even coming for her own needs. She's coming for her daughter. Yeah, and we live in a generation where the parents get offended for the kids, right? And then you start to wonder, well, who's the parent here? Who's leading, right? But if anybody had a reason to be offended, it was this lady. But after an ignore, uh, ignoring and after a denying, Scripture said she worshipped him. 
I ain't just coming to give you just, you know, a little skimming off the top, just abundance, you know. In fact, I really don't feel like praising you right now. But I'm going to give everything I've got. This lady understands if I go back home, nothing changes. And see, sometimes we're in the presence of God. We feel the goosebumps. We even cry a few tears. But we leave this place unchanged. And we go back to the same circumstance. God wants to know, are you going to push through? How many people are going to linger at the altar? Is there going to be some worshipers? Or do you have lunch plans, you know? God wants to know, where is the hunger? Where is the desire? Because those who, who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. We're going to prove our hunger to him one way or another. My God, I don't want to leave his presence until there's a breakthrough. And this woman begins to worship him. And finally, he delivers the knockout blow. It's over. And 99.9% of us would turn our back and walk away offended at God. When he opens up his mouth and said, I don't give children's bread to dogs. My God, the Holy Ghost is in this place. Would you stand up to your feet? I don't give children's bread to dogs. <laughs> and you know what she says? Well, I can't beat you, so I'm going to join you. That's true, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Come on, somebody. If it's in your heart, come on. If you want to respond to God, you ain't interrupting nothing. Why don't you come to this altar? These altars are open. Why don't you throw your hands up? Why don't you let those tears stream down your face? Why don't you let God change your circumstance? Why don't you let God deliver you? The Holy Ghost is in this place. God has come to speak to every man, to every boy, to every girl. Come on, to every woman. God is speaking. Step out of the boat. Come on, quit relying on your feelings. Quit relying on your understanding. Lift up your hands. Surrender to me. Come on. Everybody needs to be filled with the presence of God. Open up your mouth and let the Holy Ghost, come on, let it, let, come on, begin to speak the wonderful works of God. Yes, Lord. You can do anything, God. God, we believe for it. Come on, is there somebody that's going to push past your fear? Is there somebody that's going to push past your hope? Is there somebody that's going to activate your faith in God? Is there somebody that's going to surrender? God, we believe for it. Oh, God, we believe for it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, your spirit is here. Go ahead and do that work. God, fill every hungry heart with the baptism of the Holy Ghost right now. God, set at liberty the captive. Open up the blinded eyes. Let the scales fall from their eyes. Oh, truly, you are the Son of God. Truly. God, we believe for it. Oh, come on, tell him, I believe you for it, Lord. Yes. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, God, we believe. Yes, we do, Lord. God, we believe for it. From the impossible. Yes, Lord, we'll see. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. God, we believe. Yes, we do, Lord. God, we believe.